Welcome to the Celebration Church Tri-Cities Podcast. We are so grateful that you have chosen to spend part of your day with us. We are praying that God speaks to you through this message from our pastor, Robert Russell. For more information about our church, visit cctri.org. Enjoy the message. Well, we are continuing in this series about abundant life. And if I were to ask you right now, are you living an abundant life in light of the things we've been talking about, how would you respond? If the spirit of the living God dwells within you, and he is instructing you, changing you, developing you, if you're in constant contact with him, if he's guiding and directing your life through the mountaintop experiences, through the valleys, if you're experiencing life in Christ, you are experiencing abundant life. Now, sometimes we think abundant life is just those special high moments, the mountaintop experiences where you receive an extraordinary blessing or something you've desired for a long time, but Sometimes in the darkest valleys is where you realize he's the closest to you and there's an abundance of his love that pours out even in those time periods. And so in everything we've been talking about, we've been saying that abundant life is not found in the world. It's found in relationship with Christ. And there is not a single area, not a single compartment of your life about which he is not concerned That's why we were talking last week about abundant financial life. He is concerned about your financial life. Now, in fact, God could have created the world differently. We wouldn't necessarily have to have currency. We could just get manna from heaven every day. But God has chosen to allow us to make choices in some of the systems that we've developed over years. He he allows those as places of instruction and very often in one's finances is where he is working to teach you about himself. In fact, I have often said that if I can see a picture of a person's finances, I can see a lot about their spiritual life. So in exploring this last week, we said there are really four foundations to the idea of an abundant financial life. The first is you have some level of responsibility. That God calls us to be people who take responsibility to make wise choices, even though he is the one who says he provides. But the scripture in Timothy says, if anyone does not provide for his own relatives, for his own family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So you make choices that matter in this area. Secondly, we talked about the idea that we are stewards of a lot of things over our lives and certainly over our finances, and we must be considered trustworthy if we are stewards, that you have a stewardship responsibility to use the assets that God gives you to his glory, to meet the needs that you have, and to take care of other people as well. And that is regardless of your level of income. Some people think, well, if I get a much higher income, then I'll be a much more generous person. Statistics show that as income goes up, the percentage given away by people, it goes down. Isn't that interesting? You would think it would be the opposite, but it's not. And so if you think someday I'll be generous and you don't practice it today, you'll never get to someday. You learn to be generous with whatever you have. And I, I've known people who had very little in terms of this world, but were still very generous people. 
but we are stewards in that regard. We also talked about one of the absolute critical aspects of having an abundant financial life is contentment. Wherever you are right now, if you learn to be content in that circumstance, the scripture says it is great gain, yet those who are always wanting more, who want to get rich in some way, can fall into a trap that leads to destruction. And see, this is a critical thing about many areas of life, is learning to be content where you are. Whether in relationships, in your work setting, your financial situation, Learning to be content. In fact, if you make it a prayer, Lord, teach me to be content in the circumstances I am in. He will do so. And most of the time, what he does is change your perspective, change your heart, so that you learn how to be content in that circumstance. And then the last thing we talked about last week was the idea that if you're going to have an abundant financial life, you must learn to be a generous person. That God loves a cheerful giver, not that you gain favor with God or gain his love, it's just that he enjoys people who enjoy being like him. He is a cheerful giver. Do you realize that? That God cheerfully gives to you and blesses you? That it's to his pleasure to do so? And he wants you to be a person who has the same outlook, the same purpose in life, to be a cheerful giver. And so I summarize these things this way, saying that if you are a person who takes responsibility, you are a good steward, you learn contentment, and you're generous, you're going to have peace in your soul about your financial life. And the foundation of an abundant financial life is peace. As we've been going through this series, most of the time, the foundation is found where? In the fruit of the Spirit. And if you can say that you're a peaceful person regarding your finances overall, then there's abundance in your life. There's even joy in that. Now, where I want to go this week is to talk about an abundant prayer life. Now, in most of these teachings, I've been asking the question, do you have an abundant, whatever it is? And so, of course, the question is, do you have an abundant prayer life. Now, I think if I ask most Christians that question, most will respond with either doubt or hesitancy or even no. And yet, I think there are a lot more people who know the Lord who actually have an abundant prayer life than are willing to or able to identify that that is true. And see, part of the problem is their definition of what an abundant prayer life is might be askew in some way. So, going back to yet another test question, if you were to define an abundant prayer life, how would you define it? I couldn't quite hear you. Continuous praying. We're going to come back to that. So don't let me forget. Communication. How else would you define an abundant prayer life? Sincerity, is that what I heard? What else? Listening. What else? 
Anybody want to put it into a paragraph? Praying without ceasing. We're going to come back to this. Well, see, here's the issue. I think a lot of people grow up either in a church tradition or maybe not so much in a church tradition, maybe just in a family tradition where they've learned something about prayer and they've made some false assumptions about when you pray, how you pray, and what prayer really is. Now, I'll tell you this. When my kids were really little, and uh, I mean, like my boys were probably, let's say, two and four, three and five, something like that. We would, at the end of the day, at night, sit down and we're going to have family prayer time, right? Now, when we first started this, they were probably even younger than what I'm saying right now. When we first started doing this, we tried to quietly have family prayer time, right? You ever tried doing that with like a two-year-old? How long does it last? And what would happen is we would be in their bedroom and they would want to be fidgeting, doing things, jumping up and down. And finally, this is what happened. They started just jumping up and down on their bed, okay? And we decided, all right, that's what we're going to do at prayer time. We get, just get in there. If you want to jump like you're on a trampoline, go for it. And you know what? They liked it. So when prayer time came around, what happened? Everybody jumps on the bed. I didn't, but they did, right? And we just jumped and prayed, jumped and prayed. Do you know what? Years later, when we took that bed apart, we found that the wooden slats that held it up were broken. We're like, now that was a good sacrifice right there. But they learned that prayer was what? Fun. Now, do you think God would want you to have a perspective that in, you should enjoy praying? But yet, isn't it true that most people have an idea that prayer is an obligation, a duty, something you must do at the correct time, that you must say the correct words, and it's this loathsome burden that you must complete? Isn't that something that most people perceive? And they've gained that perception sometimes by well-intentioned circumstances. In other words, people in the church or in families trying to teach their kids something about prayer and unintentionally teaching them that it's a formality, an obligation, a duty. And I believe this. I believe that the spirits of evil always want to undermine the truth and they always want to undermine a healthy relationship with Christ and they will plant any lie into your soul, into your mind, to get you off course. And when it comes to prayer, I think there are tons of lies that the spirits of evil put forth to get Christian people to think they do not have an abundant prayer life. Because, see, if you ask somebody the question, do you have an abundant prayer life, most people immediately think, oh, I don't spend hours every day on a mountaintop asking God to give me stone tablets. Well, he doesn't do that with everybody. 
You see, most of us think that I have to do something of a, of a great measure to impress God. Or that I have to say things in a very specific way, maybe even a perfect order. That I've got to have the right language in order for God to receive my prayers. So to explore what might really be an abundant prayer life, let's go to Matthew 6. Jesus said, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. He's talking about the Pharisees, the religious leaders. He says, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. In other words, they want to impress other humans with their special condition, their ability to pray, their religious standing, literally standing on the street corner reciting prayers so that other people will know these are the people who are connected to God. But Jesus said, I tell you the truth, they have already received their reward in full. What is their reward? Well, it's this earthly recognition, which is really of no eternal value. He says, but when you pray, go into your room, or the King James says what? Go into your closet, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen, and then you will receive your reward. Now, wait. Sometimes people read that part about you will receive your reward as, oh, I've got to pray in order to get something. That's not what it's saying. It's not that you pray to earn a reward. It's that the time spent with God praying is the reward. Now, the part about where it says go into your closet in the King James, a lot of people have historically thought I have to have a specific closet to go to. Well, really, if you think about it, at the time that was written, how many people had closets in their homes? Not many. And it was just a translation that used that term. It's really, the NASB translate that, translates that as go into your inner room. In other words, instead of standing out in public to get the reward of men, go to a private place where it's just you and the Lord. Now, here's an interesting thing. Where is the private place where it's just you and the Lord? This is a trick question. Where is the private place where it's just you and the Lord? What did I hear? In your heart. Why is that true? Because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to go to a temple to encounter God. If you know Christ, you are the living, walking temple. And the Holy Spirit, who is God, dwells where? In you, constantly. Now, if you do not know Christ, you're separated from him. There's a great void in your soul. But once you come to know Christ, the Holy Spirit, who is God, comes to dwell within you. So that means you are in constant union with the Trinity because the Spirit dwells within you. So where is the private place for you to encounter God? In your very being. You don't have to go somewhere. You don't have to even go into the private room. You are the private room. You realize that? Do you realize that every thought that you have, the Holy Spirit is with you, he's aware of those? The Holy Spirit knows your heart better than you know your heart. 
Everything you say outwardly, the Holy Spirit hears. Some of you need to be careful, more careful in what you say. Seriously. But you see, Jesus said, you don't pray for a show or to impress people. It's just between you and God. He went on to say this. He says, and when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans. Now here he's talking about other religious people who likewise are in a public place and they're constantly stating things. Maybe they're stating things over and over and over that they're trying again to impress either their gods, their false gods, or people by the many words that they have. He said, don't keep on doing that. You're not gonna be heard because of your many words. Your father knows what you need before you ask. So just going on and on and on is not going to gain anything. Have you ever been in a setting where someone prayed? Now, I'm talking like a formal setting, like some kind of official event, and on the agenda was the official prayer. You ever been in a setting like that where somebody prayed and they went on and on and on? And it, it just became torturous to be there? And they use terminology to try to impress people or maybe terminology not to step on anybody's feet. I've been in settings like that, like at a college graduation. I remember this guy who was giving the formal prayer that went on forever. And he was using language and it was trying, it was clear he was trying to impress the academic community with his prayer. Really, after a while, I was just like, I wish you would be quiet. I'm sure the Lord thinks the same thing. I mean, seriously. Don't go on babbling with your many words. The Lord knows what you need before you ask. In fact, I had this per a person say this to me one time. I appreciated his honesty. I asked him to join me in praying for another person. And afterwards, he said, I was concerned what you would think about my prayer. Now, you see, I appreciated his honesty because in his heart, he knew he shouldn't be concerned about that. He should only be listening to the Lord and praying for that person. Now, the scripture says, don't go on forever because your father knows what you need before you ask, which begs the question, why bother? Why do I pray if God already knows what I need? Well, God already knows everything about your life, does he not? Before you were born. He does. He knows absolutely everything. And yet, you still have to choose to live, make lots of choices in this life. There are lots of things that you have to formulate in your own mind, your own will, and act them out. And so praying partly is for you to formulate what really matters. It's, it's to express to God what really matters in your heart. It's part of a relationship. In other words, if you are married to somebody and you just assume they knew everything about you and you never talked to them, what kind of relationship would that be? Now, I know, gentlemen, some of you have wives that assume you know everything in your spouse's mind and you don't. You know what I'm saying? They just assume you know when they're feeling bad and you have no idea. And yet, 
it's a healthy thing to express things to one another. You have no idea how richly blessed my wife is. Because you only get like one, maybe two sermons a week. She sometimes gets two or three a day. I was talking to her about comparative world religions just yesterday. Can you imagine what joy that was for her? But you see, the Lord knows what you need before you ask, but you need to express it. And then to me, the other very, very important part is this. Whenever you are inviting God through prayer into your circumstance, you are simultaneously saying to the spirits of evil, get away. And part of praying is voicing my invitation to Christ in every circumstance of life while I'm simultaneously saying to whatever spirit of evil might be trying to harass, get away. And so I need to pray because it's part of this relationship I have with Christ. It's not because he needs anything. See, think of it like this. Some people look at prayer as a to-do list for whom? For God. I mean, really, it's, Lord, here's my to-do list for you today. Get it done. Now, you may not say it that way, but that's really what you're thinking. I really need this. I wish you would do this. I want you to take care of this for me. It's a to-do list for God. Does God need a to-do list? In fact, he has a to-do list for you. And it's a good to-do list. See, he wants you to listen to his spirit, follow his guidance, fulfill his will for you day by day. It's not about God fulfilling your will for him. And too often we think prayer is something if we do it right, we'll get God to do what we want him to do. That's not it. See, that's where you get the mindset of prayer is a duty or an obligation. And if I do it right or do it enough or do it sufficiently, then God will do what I want him to do. Well, you've got the whole definition of prayer wrong. I ask God to do very little for me. I most of the time, I I did this, maybe you should do this. I made a list of about 15 things that are different types of prayer. Like like asking for needs or praying for somebody else or just plain worship, just like we were doing musical worship, I consider that prayer. I made a list of about 15 things and I tried to say, what percentage of the time do I do each one of these? And asking for specific things for my needs is among the smallest. And the reason is because I know that he takes care of the needs that I genuinely have. Praying for other people, most of the time for people who are hurting, is one of the larger ones. And just worshiping is one of the larger ones. But you see, he knows what we need I don't have to be concerned about that. What I really do need to be concerned about is hearing direction from him. Don't you imagine that when Jesus went off to a private place and prayed, listening to the, talking with God the Father, that he was listening most of the time? Certainly there was an exchange of that nature. Now the scripture does say this, rejoice always, He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. How many things are you anxious about on a daily basis? I mean, how many things could you be anxious about on a daily basis? Many, 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 many. 
But he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, which means what? Everything. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. God clearly says, pray what? About everything. Does that mean I am constantly voicing something with my tongue? No. There are many, many, many things in life where I'm listening far more than I'm talking. In fact, I really believe as I have matured as a Christian in my prayer life, I talk less and listen more. And when I was a very young Christian, I tried to pray for long periods of time and I had long lists and all kinds of things and I wore myself out. But as I matured with him, I learned that it's just communicating with him constantly. Sometimes it's not even so conscious as it is just a heart attitude. Like if I'm just strolling through the woods on a hike, there's still a heart attitude of looking at the beauty that he has created through his eyes. Or just sometimes doing something like that and a, a, one of his creatures comes by and just naturally in your heart, like, oh Lord, thank you for bringing that by. Well, that's prayer. It's Thanksgiving. Like I got woodpeckers that occasionally show up at my house and, and every time they show up, they're so pretty, I just like, Lord, thank you. Well, that's prayer. See, if you have a heart attitude of constant communication with God in everything, all the time, 24-7, you first of all have recognized that he's with you and that he says pray about everything all the time. I want to hear it. And then what will happen? His peace will guard your heart and your mind. See, as I communicate with him about everything, all the time, every circumstance, his peace transcends my soul. Why pray? Because I'm inviting the peace of the living God into my life. How many, like right now, in just this week, I would say almost every person here has had some difficulty whereby you could be overwhelmed with stress and worry and anxiety or you could have the peace of God transcending your soul. He says, pray about everything. Now, I've, I've encountered people who thought, well, I shouldn't bother God too much. He's got a limited amount of time to mess with me and I wanna keep that time for the big ones. Like when I really need it, then I'll pray. That's not what the scripture says. He wants to hear from you all the time. He wants to be in relationship with you continuously, constantly, this interchange, so that when the big one really comes, it's so natural for you to call upon him. I mean, when I've hit the most significant crises in life, it's like my heart naturally goes, Lord, help. I mean, some of the, some of the times that is the most significant prayer you can ever utter is help. In fact, I have that situation often when I'm either counseling with somebody or trying to console somebody who is grieving deeply. It's like, Lord, I don't know what else to do. And I'm just like, help me. And you know, every time he does, he gives me an idea or just, sometimes he just says, just listen to them. Just listen. But it, that's the way he is. In the time of need, if you have this pattern of constantly talking to him, he just is there. 
Lastly, the scripture says, be joyful always, pray continually. This is what people were saying earlier when I said, what is the, the definition of, abundant, of an abundant prayer life? It's praying without ceasing. That's what I think the King James says, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is what? God's will for you. See, read that again. What is God's will for you? That you pray all of the time and give thanks in doing so. Thanks that he listens, that he cares, that he loves you so much. Really, God wants you to pray 24-7 all of your days. Do you realize you could even have a heart of prayer in your sleep? There have been many, many times when I'm half asleep, half awake in the morning, just, just sort of coming alive again, when the Lord speaks to me very clearly. Sometimes it's an idea about a teaching. Sometimes it's about a person. Like I need to contact that person. But the Lord will speak to you very clearly. I've mentioned this before, I think, that, that um, I used to never like to take naps, but if I would sit and <clears throat> excuse me, prepare a teaching, sometimes I would get to the point where I was just, I, I just couldn't get it together. It just didn't make sense. I wasn't sure where I was going. And I would get so sleepy and so tired, I couldn't stand it. Finally, I would just have to lay down for like 20 minutes. And you know what would happen every single time? I would wake up with clarity in my mind about what to teach. It was like the Lord said, just lay there and stop whining and I'll tell you. <coughs> Sometimes you just have to rest before him to hear from him. Now, I must confess, I said I used to never like to take naps. As I've gotten older, I like naps better. You know, I just, something about them, it's a little better. But God says, pray without ceasing. Now, if I were to summarize an abundant prayer life, not that I like these formulas, but here I am two weeks in a row, I sort of put it that way. It just seemed to fit, though. That I would say an abundant prayer life begins with relationship with Christ. That it's about submission, where I'm submitting my heart, my mind, my soul, everything to him. I'm doing so in humility. I'm humbly coming before him. I'm not demanding of things. I'm like, Lord, I want to know what you want. What is your will? What's best? I mean, even if I'm buying something of significance, I'm like, Lord, show me what's wise. And that it's a heart of thanksgiving. And all of those things at the foundation, the core of an abundant prayer life is what? It's love. See, a prayer life is about relationship with the one who loves you more perfectly than any human being could ever. He loves you perfectly. And your response is continuous relationship communication with him. The foundation of an abundant prayer life is your recognition that I am in this wonderful mutual relationship of love. And that he loves me so much, he wants to hear about everything. He wants to take care of everything. He wants to bless you, walk with you, carry you in the difficult times. He wants to hear the most difficult things of your life. The whining, complaining. Sometimes he might say, enough whining. But 
He wants you to trust him. Now, over the years, oftentimes I have just written down what I think the Lord is saying to me. Now, let me be careful there because sometimes I'll say, the Lord spoke to me and I did this. Well, I don't hear external audible voices. I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, the still small voice of the Spirit speaking to me. But it's not perfect. And see, I don't want to mislead people into thinking, oh, I hear from God constantly, just all these. Sometimes I think the Lord speaks to me and I am certain it's him, like 98% certain. I never say 100% because I'm always, hmm, gotta be careful. Sometimes I think the Lord is speaking to me and I'm like 72% certain. Like I'm like, "Eh, I think that was him. And then there's sometimes when I'm really unsure, and then there's sometimes where maybe I'm like 25% certain that was him, and and so I'm testing always and careful. And there have been times when I thought the Lord spoke to me, and then what happened was circumstances proved that absolutely that was the case. In fact, I even said to my wife one time years ago, I said either it was about a circumstance that was in the future. I said either the Lord does, I do not hear from the Lord, or this is going to happen. I was so certain of it, and it came to pass, but it took months before it came to pass. But there have been times when I've been pretty certain, and I was wrong. Here's the problem. Your flesh can get in the way at any time, especially if it's an emotional thing. For me, it's hard to be certain what the Lord is saying when my emotions are aroused, like if I'm angry, something like that. If my emotions are very connected, I gotta be very careful that I'm not listening to my own voice or some deceptive voice rather than listening to the voice of the Spirit. And there's sometimes when I go to pray about some issue and I don't think the Lord says anything to me. In fact, I had a situation with my daughter. She asked me to pray about something. I came back to her and said, I didn't hear a thing. And it probably because he was wanting her to hear directly, not me. But it's a relationship of love. Now, I did a series on prayer three years ago. And when I finished that series, I wrote this definition. I said that prayer is relational, not transactional. See, so many people think prayer is a a quota system, a barter system. I got to meet the demands of God, then he'll do things for me. That's not it at all. It's relational. It's not a transaction. That God intends for it to relieve burdens. So many people Guilt is, a, is in their mind when it comes to prayer. See, if I ask people, do you have an abundant prayer life? Your answer ought to be yes. I talk to him all the time. Can a seven-year-old have an abundant prayer life? Absolutely yes. It shouldn't be a place of guilt. It's a means by which we develop a greater intimacy with God, greater relationship. That it's powerful in the battle against evil. It's important in fulfilling the will of God and advancing the kingdom of God. See, it's where you get marching orders like, Lord, what do you want me to do today? I'm listening. Do you realize that really prayer should be the most comforting, joyful part of your life? See, the people in your family who know you the best can only know you a fraction of how the Spirit of God knows you. Do you realize anywhere you go in the world, you're never alone because the Holy Spirit dwells within you? 
That, that's very clear to me because I can, I can remember before I was Christian, there were times that I felt lonely. I never feel lonely now because I know he's with me in every circumstance. Even sometimes when it's a, a little bit of a threatening circumstance. Some of these mission trips I've been on, a couple times there have been situations that were really a little testy. And yet I was like, Lord, and he's like, trust me. That an abundant prayer life is constant relationship with him. So, if you'd like to go and look at that series I did where we talked about these issues, in it's over 12 weeks. Those are the dates. You go to the YouTube channel. Just look for those dates of teachings. You'll find it. But I would ask you, do you have an abundant prayer life? And really, you ought to be at the place of saying, yeah, I do. Because he loves me. Not because of your great work, but because I have a relationship with him. And he loves me. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this podcast and that it blessed you in some way. Don't forget to visit our website at cctri.org. And make sure that you send us your prayer requests at office at cctri.org. We pray that the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him.